welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we're talking about Season 7, Episodes 26, The Long Goodbye. Mary, what happened this week? Donna begs Felice to take some time off from caring for Dr. Dad and enjoy her sorority's talent show. Felice declines until she takes a look at the other alumni attendees, including Graham, Warren. He may or may not be the guy Felice cheated on Dr. Dad with, and Donna can't help but watch them the entire day for any signs of inappropriate behavior. At the first instance of a shoulder lean, Donna accuses Felice of a fair part two, but Felice explains she's only trying to figure out Dr. Dad's career options and education if he's unable to continue as a surgeon. Also, David takes Felice's side on one issue and she immediately hates him less. Steve pressures Claire into performing in the talent show and then doesn't believe in her talent as soon as he hears her sing but he makes sure not to let her know that she sucks until right before she goes on stage. At least she still has a little bit of time to quit, but she decides not to and sings in honor of her mother and the song she loved. Anne Muntz was there in a a horse head for five seconds. Just just the head of a horse and everyone knew who he was. (laughs) I did love that he had to take the hat off and he's like, how does everyone know it's me? (laughs) There's like a, not a horse, but like a donkey joke in there somewhere, and they kind of miss the boat. (laughs) Right? Like, I appreciated Kelly's comment, but I was like, we could have punched this up. Like, Mm -hmm. or even when Claire and Steve do the Mountie song later and they use a fake horse, I was like, then why was Munts walking around in a horse head? Excellent point. Excellent point. I just... Also, a keg alpha talent show? Yeah, just them. Just them. But not just them, because, like, all their friends and family can be in it, so I feel like anybody could do it. Claire and David, who have no affiliation to the sorority or fraternity, had their own number. Yeah, it. not only that, but then they were also doing things to help build the talent show, or, like, I was so confused in that first scene where, like, we're seeing some people tap dancing, some people are magicians, some people are singing, some are dancing. But then, yeah, Mun's in a horse head. David's just playing piano randomly. Kelly is there but has to leave. Steve and Claire are, like, working on a tree. But it's not the right tree. It's a palm tree, not a Canadian tree. It, it was a very <laughs> weird opening scene for this story because, yeah, Literally, the first thing I wrote is Kelly is there, but she has to go. I was like, okay, so that's that's the setup we have. Right. And then, you know, Steve and Donna are doing this, like, 30-second operatic lip sync. And Claire's just like, that's not talent. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen lip sync battle, and I've seen Tom Holland dance umbrella by – or lip sync and dance – Umbrella by Rihanna. It is a talent. <laughs> Honestly, if Zendaya hadn't been in love with him on that, like before that day, that's what did it. And I would it, put it money been on that fact. A hundred percent. Like just watching him rip the suit off, do a flip in the rain. Like I would have been like, okay, that's fine. 
I'll take that one. It's like there's three that stick out in my mind specifically from Lip Sync Battle. And it's that one. It's Jenna Dewan pre, wait, yeah, pre-divorce to Channing Tatum. So she was Jenna Dewan Tatum doing Pony, which is what forgot that Channing one. Tatum did. <laughs> <coughs> and number three is Anna Kendrick dancing to J-Lo and then J-Lo magically coming out of the end. So it's a talent, yeah. Claire. You just haven't been able to experience what it looks like when somebody with talent does it. <laughs> and so much of it is the commitment, which Steve says. Yes. He's like, it's about the comedic timing. And I kind of like she makes the comment about them doing the performance in drag. And he's just like, mm-hmm. why, yes, I will. Steve Sanders has no shame. <laughs> no shame. I literally like. I think he says, like, loosen up a bit, take a risk, be vulnerable. And she's like, why would you ever do that? You can get hurt that way. And I just feel like Steve would be like, what? What's that? (laughs) Like, I'm surprised he even knows what the word vulnerability means. Not because he hasn't been vulnerable before, but because he does not ever really feel the repercussions of being vulnerable. Like, there's no risk involved. He just does it. You know, like, whether it's he's learning about being adopted or it's dressing in drag and letting donna be his mounty love you know like (laughs) there's just no risk involved and that doesn't mean he's not able to have a broken heart or to like you know suffer negative consequences from it it's just he doesn't think it's that risky and there's kind of a lot to like about that i mean yeah there is a boldness in steve this is what happens to us every time steve does literally anything it's like the roller coaster of emotion that comes with Steve Sanders because mm-hmm. Steve Sanders has no shame. Exactly. And we also find out at this talent show that Donna is going to her house to see her mom, who is unsurprisingly exhausted from having to take care of her husband in her own home. And Donna mm-hmm. doesn't see anything wrong. Like, she's like, oh, my God, she's exhausted. I have to do something to help her. I'm like, girl, you put her there in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a couple things like it was kind of a common theme for me with this episode is that I forgot was literally last episode. One of them being Donna, like standing up to slash bullying sort of her mom into doing something she's not prepared to take on um and the other will get to but yeah it's like she's just like well you know my mom's exhausted so I have to go over there which I think you pointed out last episode you were like that qualifier of her saying I will help whenever I can is super important because now Donna's like oh crap I'm 22 I don't want to go over to my dad's because even though he had a stroke and literally needs round the clock care, I have a talent show to do, you know, because she's a 22 year old, not a 52 year old or however old Felice is, you know? Yeah, it just happens. I mean, we keep watching the show The Middle and they love saying because they're from Indiana and they're in the Midwest like you do for family and it's mm-hmm. constantly they're doing stuff for like the elderly people in their lives or throwing a last minute wedding and I'm just like you don't actually want to do any of this that's what makes this a comedy but it's also very true like 
mm-hmm. you're just doing it because you feel you have to, but then everyone complains about it because you don't actually want that's that's the reason that live-in nurses and facilities exist. He can get round the clock care. If it's mm-hmm. just Felice and one live-in nurse, they have to sleep. Yeah. I mean, it's literally like not maybe not as dramatic as having a newborn baby because John can fend for himself, but there are certain physical constraints. Like he literally has paralysis on an entire half of his body, right? So there are things like David proved just last episode that he cannot do on his own. And while opening a Snapple bottle for you takes two seconds, there are other things that he conceivably cannot do, you know, without an actual person to be able to lift or carry or drag or bring or you insert the verb here. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just really interesting that Donna, like, even though she's still trying to be her, like, sunny disposition Donna about it and even be, like, a touch of empathy, she's just like, ugh, I have to do this. <laughs> and she literally hilariously in my mind tells David she's like I think she's scared that if she leaves the house and something happens it'll be on her and she'll never forgive herself I'm like Donna she literally told you that she stood in front of his hospital bed stared out the window and said those words to you so you being Mm -hmm. like well I think this girl no verbatim you are quoting and so she thinks the best thing to do is like, oh, well, it's okay she has those fears. I'm just going to like breeze past all those and get her to come out and leave my dad. <laughs> right. I'm thinking like, okay, yeah, let's, you know, helpfully practice self-care. But I'm thinking self-care in the form of like therapy and like mm-hmm. doing something for like small steps. Let's do something for yourself inside the house. Let's mm-hmm. like, you know, leave John – for a few hours and then come back. Like, let's have a conversation with dad about how scared you are and how you still need some time to yourself. Like, baby steps. Not take the entire night off to come to a talent show that, let's be honest, your daughter's in for 30 seconds. And that's my thing, too. Like, I think another form of self-care could be relinquishing a little bit of control that I'm sure she's wrestling with on her own, knowing that she can do certain things special for him. She knows how to do this, that, and the other. So some of that self-care could be in that Donna stays with Dr. Dad for the next four to five hours while Felice goes and revisits old friends from her sorority at the talent show. Obviously, that's like, you know, not my ideal time out, but like that could be another baby step where it's like, okay, you're you're relinquishing the reins to your daughter. You're not mm-hmm. just saying, okay, well, screw it. I'm going to go out and leave it for this at-home nurse. Yeah, I just I have so many opinions. Because then we do see Felice being, like, so attentive. You can tell that all of her energy is just going into Dr. Dad and everything about him. She's, you know, she and Donna are making his bed. She's concerned he's not eating enough. She's paying attention to his physical therapy. She's wondering what he's going to do now that he, you know, realistically cannot be a surgeon anymore. Like we've said, he, you know, he had a stroke or like half of his body is at least partially paralyzed. He had the short-term memory loss. Like Mm -hmm. what is he going to do now? And it just drives me so nuts that it feels like Donna doesn't see that all of this is kind of a little bit her fault. 
Yeah, or at the very least, like, she's overcompensating by trying to, like, make up for it by saying, oh, you shouldn't take this on. You shouldn't have to do this. Like, you know, she's trying to, like, find the loophole to resolve herself by Mm -hmm. allowing Felice to take a break, you know, or, or, or not feel as burdened or as pressure, you know, you know, but I think one of the most relatable things about Felice, like we mentioned last episode, speaking her fears and all that, the second most relatable thing that she's done is going in that space of worst case scenario mm-hmm. and wondering and worrying that Dr. Dad is not going to get his strength back, not even to be able to be a heart surgeon, a surgeon again, which he loves, but just to be able to do things on his own. And mm-hmm. I found that so relatable because I do that all the time. I'm like immediately going to worst case scenario, even if realistically and logically, I know that's not going to happen. But mm-hmm. the fact that Felice is carrying so much of that mental load, again, just shows like the difference between, you know, just like 30 years of life, right? Like it, and it's no knock on Donna that she doesn't see it, right? Because like, it is a product sometimes of age and experience, mm-hmm. but it just does go to show you different perspectives that you gain along the way. Um, and it's just, I do actually kind of like that the writers have put in these little relatable moments to police to Felice to like show her that she's not completely out of this realm. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's, it's fascinating what they did with Donna and her. Yeah. This is a much different Felice than, the Felice who, you know, paid Donna's boyfriend to stay away from her or, like, that we just wanted to, like, throw off a boat for being anti-Semitic mm-hmm. and ableist. Yeah. And, like, none of this absolves her from any of that. It's just no. more of a, oh, I can relate to her. I can see what troubles, she, you know, she's going through at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, as much as we need – like one-dimensional characters that can serve as just like a villain or something like it's more interesting to have complex characters like this yep totally agree and there's this weird moment at the end of this scene where you know donna really wants her mom to go to this spring event thing that's a whole bunch of stuff and she gives her the alumni list and felice sees someone who is Graham comma warrant but then the camera just like zooms in on this name and I was like am I supposed to remember this is this something that's like really gonna change my life to see a piece of paper with some names written on it mm-hmm. what are we doing here <sighs> it it was just so weird and like you could hear Felice being like hmm Warren Graham that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Well, and I was like even not like pausing it to read all the names, but I'm like, okay, do I recognize any of these names really, really fast? And then the fact that she says it, I was like, okay, I'm supposed to know that. Why don't I know that? You know? Yeah. That was the thing. I don't think that Matt, like she could have seen the paper and just gone, hmm, and we didn't have to have the zoom in and I would have been fine. Yeah. Yeah. So then we start learning a little bit more about what everyone's doing in the talent show. Claire has finally agreed to do said talent show. David will accompany her on the piano. And I guess she's in the school library looking through their CD collection. 
Yeah, I think so. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, and this is, in my mind, this is why this episode is DVD only and not on streaming. Specifically, Mm. Claire singing this song. Yep, because, yeah, it was like, she says the song, they play the song, she sings the song. Yeah, it was like a lot of the song. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, Steve has been really supportive of her in this whole moment. You know, she's doing that vulnerable thing with him where she's sharing more about her mom, which we have learned over the years with Claire is a very sensitive subject for her. Mm -hmm. And he convinces her to, like, go into a study room where there just happens to be a boombox. I love that he's just like, oh, great. (laughs) He lit, like, as they walk in, he's like, oh, great. (laughs) Like, he didn't expect it to be there. I don't know. (laughs) and it's got you know nice little headphones the music can be in her ears that he can hear just her voice yeah and it is incredibly flat like to the point that he's like she'll be embarrassed I will close these blinds even after like Claire was like shut the blinds I don't want to be seen and Steve's like no 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 and he's like oh okay maybe I should (laughs) I'm like fair I mean I don't sing in public, but this is what I would sound like. I'm so confident. I mean, but also, like, when Steve was like, you need to be more vulnerable. You need to, like, take more risks or whatever it was. This in and of itself is a risk, even to somebody that, like, because it's a double-edged sword. It's, like, somebody that you love and know won't judge you, but also one of the people that, like, you want to impress the most. Mm -hmm. So in and of itself, that's being vulnerable. Come on, Steve. (laughs) Right? Like, Again, baby steps. Let's mm-hmm. let's get there. Not like put her in front of so many people that she knows because this is Keg and Alpha. Her roommates are Alpha and former Alpha. Her boyfriend is Keg. Like mm-hmm. parents are going to be there. No, no, Steve. Too big. <laughs> and then on the other side of things where you know, we've said Donna and Steve are doing this whole drag opera performance – Donna is practicing her Mountie walk in such a weird little scene, but I love that she's just like bouncing along. It was the cutest thing that I've seen in a while. Like she's just walking around and like, okay, I think again, I'm going to harp on David and his growth again, because like, he's not making fun of her. He's like, look at my little Mountie, you know, like he's like, Look at you look like a lumberjack, you know, like something and being all cute about it because she's like not walking correctly, but he's not making fun of her. He's just like, this is silly. And then he's like, here, let me help you because I know how women walk. (laughs) Which, okay, so he says, I, I don't remember exactly. It's he says that a woman's center of gravity is in her hips and that's what she walks with while a man's center of gravity is in his chest. And that's what he Mm -hmm. walks with. And I'm sitting over here being like, I don't think that's right. I thought about it later, and I think he's right. And maybe it's not so exaggerated, but, like, I was watching Nate walk when we were walking into the restaurant, Mm. and, like, he is very more, like, top-heavy. And not that I'm not it's just i think maybe he's not fully right about the like center of gravity for women being in the hips and pelvis i think he specifically said but it's like 
for men, definitely. It's like they got to look a little bit like tougher, you know, like they're putting their like chest forward. Whereas with women, I think it's more, it's less about like where the center of gravity is and more like maybe a little bit more flowy, like not so rigid, you know? So like it is definitely true that men and women or those types of bodies have a different mm-hmm. center of gravity and it is just because of the way they develop mm-hmm. um like once they go through puberty and stuff but yeah men's is like higher in the chest i don't think women's is like as low as david was saying but it is like lower waist? down yeah yeah i like was the thinking waist waist. Area. yeah yeah it's just yeah. like the it part was... that like widens mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it it was the woman side of it that really threw me because even watching Donna like she's just very bouncy it didn't feel like she was walking like hips forward right like I tried to walk hips forward and I was like this this feels weird I feel like I'm leaning back (laughs) but that's that's how I walk when I want to do like my silly walk to the kitchen right (laughs) that's like the Conor McGregor walk like the (laughs) with the flowy arms you know yeah (laughs) I just am thinking like supermodels on America's Next Top Model. Mm. Okay, good point. Good point. And now I'm trying to think: how, Did they walk any differently? Um, they they in a chest forward approach. I will say, um, Miss J Alexander definitely pushed the hips forward when he was showing them how to do it. Okay, mm-hmm. but I don't think in general women lead their movement with their hips yeah like it's more like weight like maybe it's more that they're like tilting at the waistline you know a little bit mm-hmm. more not at the pelvis but the waistline and then i think david of- was just looking at too many butts that day <laughs> right <laughs> like i honestly i think he was noticing too much of the bouncing and he was trying to settle the bouncing down yeah that's fair that's fair like all in all kudos for him to like be helpful and not be like too stereotypical he's just like i know how i walk this is how it looks like you walk all i know is that it's different (laughs) you know what it reminded me of uh gosh i think it's the boy meets world episode chick like me where Corey's trying to know how to walk like a girl and sean is like you have to glide exactly like i was saying earlier like it's more flow like we walk smoother Which, and I think that's probably why Donna was being so bouncy, but, like, because she has the body she has, it was just making her much more feminine. Well, and also, if you think about Miss Congeniality, when um, Michael Caine is like, we don't slump like this, and it's like, (laughs) you know, and and even in, no, wait, that's not even it. I was right about, like, the action, but that was actually from Princess Diaries, where the queen says, we don't slump like this. And then, like, the thank you for being here today and all that. So, yeah, there's several instances where it's, like, more hard and, like, jagged, I want to say, rugged, maybe, and then more graceful and flowy. Which, yeah, we're going for rugged here. She is a Mountie. That's right. (laughs) loved i loved that the scene ended where she was just like i'm done practicing and just pushes david over and he's like what are you doing mm-hmm. and she was like well you know what they say mounties they always get their man that's right <laughs> i was like damn Donna. all right girl okay <laughs> 
So there's really not a lot we can say in the next morning at Casa Walsh because it's really got to do with like the A story of it all. But I will say that like we get a moment of Steve and Brandon where, you know, Brandon's asking Steve about the talent show and Steve is like really worried and he's like, why are you worried about what size Brada stuff? And Steve goes, no, I've always been a D. I was like, okay, Steve. Like for a person who can be so much, so much bad (laughs) in so many ways, there are times that I'm like, no, of course he is the perfect drag queen. Like, of course he's thought about it. He's thought about his alter ego. He's thought about his favorite outfits. He has thought about everything and embraces it. And for that, I can never truly hate him. And this is honestly like when they started doing the drag stuff, I was a little concerned Mm -hmm. because like we are still not in the clear of like I can see this and know that I'm not going to feel uncomfortable about it. Right. Like the early 2000s and the late 90s were honestly kind of trash for a few people. But I also thought about how a couple of years ago, Steve was, like, incredibly homophobic. Right, 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 right. And now he's just, like, totally fine doing drag and dressing up and putting on makeup. And he's just like, no, I've always been a D. Mm-hmm. Which, like, of course Steve's a D. Of course he wants big titties. <laughs> Obviously. He does acknowledge in this moment that Claire is going to make a fool of herself and it's all his fault. He still has not done anything about it. as. Mary so eloquently mentioned. He is still just telling everyone it's going to be an embarrassment, except for Claire. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. Totally fine. I guess the only other thing that happens now between this breakfast and the actual talent show later is Kelly has missed selling tickets with Donna. And still, I don't think she's told Donna anything about all of what she's yeah. doing. Correct. Like, her whole day slash 48 hours has been mystery to everyone. Yeah, which is wild. Like, I understand, like, they've all got their own stuff going on in their lives. They trust each other. But there would be a small part of me that would be like, what is she doing? Mm-hmm. And why like, can't she tell me? Her yeah. best friend. Exactly. And she's like, yeah, bailing on, you know, helping distribute tickets to the talent show and the alpha president like I recognize that girl yeah so I wrote down what's her face but then later because I recognized her I was like I know Mm -hmm. you're somebody so I was like what's her face is mad that she has to step in for Kelly but then later uh it was like literally like two scenes later um I saw in the subtitles her name is Ellen Yeah, I think we haven't seen her since the Pledge episode where Donna did, like, the glow up and they didn't want the Mm brown-haired girl who didn't have the perfect makeup. And so she went to a different place. I think that's the last time we saw Ellen. I think so, too. Yeah. But her whole purpose in this scene is just, like, driving the plot forward. She's like, uh, excuse me, why is Kelly missing this and can't be here? And Donna says... Oh, I don't know. She just couldn't make it. And then she goes, oh, hey, there's your mom. Is that your dad? Bye. <laughs> She's just like a potster without any malintent. <laughs> no, they literally just needed somebody to progress the plot forward. They were like, okay, Donna has to be like 
talking to someone to be like, oh, hey, there's your mom. Maybe she can take my spot because I really don't want to do this job anymore. Who's that guy? Mm-hmm. And speaking of that guy, like, Donna, when, she, when Donna looks over and at first is like, oh, great. I just want her to react, relax because, like, Ellen was basically like, oh, there's your mom. She's a former al- alpha. Maybe she can step in. Donna's like, oh, no, 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 she should re- wait a minute. Who's that? Because she, like, is clearly still traumatized from when her mother had an affair way back when. Yeah, I. So, you know, later on, they confirm. I was wondering at this point, I was like, OK, this is just like some random guy. But the way Felice is acting, Donna must be concerned that like Felice is starting up an affair again the second her mm-hmm. father like hits the bed rest. Right. And she and like, then, gets out for the first time. Yeah. And they do a flashback to things to do on a rainy day and confirm that like, oh, Felice had an affair with also middle-aged, medium-billed, brown-haired man. Mm-hmm. And I looked it up because I didn't remember when that was. That was season two. That was so oh, long man. ago, guys. Oh my gosh. Like, well, and I remember when we had the flashback, I was like, Donna's hair looks incredible. <laughs> I That was what tipped me off is I was like, this was so long ago. And I immediately jumped to season three. Like, I was mm. like, there's no mm-hmm. way we are throwing all the way back to second junior year. Right, right, so, right, right. Wasn't sophomore. <laughs> it was second junior. I still can't believe they did that. I mean... <laughs> You know what? Whatever. They really, like, dug down into it. Mm-hmm. But, okay. And that's at the talent show. Like, Donna is in that little fuzzy uh, robe getting ready because she's in multiple numbers, it mm-hmm. turns out. Not that we see all of them, but she is in another number. And she's just staring out from the wings. And I kind of loved it that she is just, ang- like, daggers at police. <laughs> She's like, do you see that man? And David's like, uh, where? And she's like, that and man, over there. That's a bellage man. Yeah, and I love, like, I just love the way that she's so angry. And he's like, are you sure that was so long ago? That was five years ago, Donna. And she's like, no, it's him. I know it's him. Mm-hmm. Which, she's right. And David doesn't try and convince her it was wrong. He's just confirming. So, like. Yeah. I just love her intense hatred in that moment. <laughs> She's just like, I don't know who you are, but I hate you. But you're the worst. Stay away from my mother. And then finally, moments before she's about to go on stage, Steve is like, Claire, you know, you don't have to do this show, right? It's like the most Steve thing ever. To wait until the last possible minute to just not only still not tell the truth and be like, I'm going to try to convince you not to do this because like so that I don't have to tell you the truth, but then also eventually tell the truth because you've backed yourself up into a wall. Like it is the most Steve thing to do. It's so Steve. And like Claire's reaction is also very clear where she's just like, I'm not going to make a fool of myself like some people. Mm hmm. It just that moment, like, and he sounds so sincere when he's doing it. He's like, "We'll just say you're a late scratch. Like, I'm so sorry, but like, you couldn't hit a note 
if it was right in front of your face. Right. But no. This, it's so steep. It is so – and like truly he's about to go on. It's like he's getting into costume. He's wearing his wig cap being like, you mm-hmm. should probably not get in line. I think also something that was interesting there is like at some point – Steve goes up to David and is like, have you heard her sing? And I'm like, he's literally like accompanying her on the piano. You would think they rehearsed together? Yeah, that's a good point. Has she, is she just going into this cold? That, that's what I'm wondering. Like she's got the arrangements. David has the arrangement. She just trusts that David is just going to play the song and she's going to know her cues. And, like, yeah, are we sure that you can sing in the correct register? Like, what if you need to, like, notch that down an octave or something or up an octave? Yeah. Like, no practice. None whatsoever. Yeah. She just decided she was going to do it and everyone said great. And David is like, I can play whatever instrument you put in front of me. Let's do it. Well, and that's the other thing, too. Like, speaking of, like you said, like, does she need to scale it up or scale it down? It's like, what if the sheet music that was available was in – and I'm going to just rattle off random things, but like, what if it was in E minor and then you get up on stage and the way you practiced it was in A minor. That's a big difference or minor to a major. That's a huge difference. So yeah, that's what I mean. Or like, yeah, what if he's got sheet music for a different version of the song? Like, are we 100% sure that the two of you have talked and that nothing got mixed up at any point? Mm-hmm. But, okay, whatever. What I do want to talk about is when Donna is getting into her costume and David's trying to tell her to have fun and he puts the little fake mustache on her and he kisses, he's like, when you kiss Steve, picture me and then he kisses her with the fake mustache on yes i was like david do you now understand what it's like to kiss with somebody with facial hair <laughs> and she just like kind of messes with it a little after he leaves i was like oh did he did he mess up your mustache do you have to brush it out exactly and it was the perfect color to match her hair i will give them credit for that it really was because then she comes out like well, first, Steve comes out, and Steve looks great. He starts lip syncing. He's doing great. And then Donna comes out in, like, a boat. <laughs> it was so weird. So weird. But, yeah, her mustache perfectly fits her eyebrows and her hair, which is stuffed into her Mountie hat. And Donna does her little wink and hat tip. I was like, Donna, uh-uh. <laughs> like, you were so cool. <laughs> And then when they like physically get close to each other and she's at the perfect height with Steve's fake titties and she's just like, oh, hey. She's like, oh, oh. <laughs> like, this is where I'm meant to be. Yep. Yep. God. And the fact that Felice is just in the crowd with Warren and she's just like, oh, that was so cute. That was so cute. I was like, yes, finally. Why, why are we agreeing so much this episode? <laughs> I know. It was weird. I was like, she's not pissed because Donna didn't wear form-fitting pants? Or that Donna was literally dressed as a man? Like, <laughs> Yeah, you would think this would go against all of Felice's principles, but she was into it. Mm-hmm. I will say, they did not kiss, and that kind of bothered me. Man, 
me too. Not that I like wanted, you know, because we saw during the telethon. Yeah, I mean, Brandon it's not like we needed it. Yeah, but like they built. She it had up. a per. She had a perfect mustache, and Steve had a perfect lipstick match. Like that mm-hmm. was a good color on him. Exactly. And then months was not the horse. Like nope. That they let me down in the final three seconds of this thirty second lip sync. I will say the thing that got me back though was the attempt to hoist Steve on the horse, and then the second attempt. <laughs> I loved it. Like. It was so clear that Steve is just such a bigger person compared to mm-hmm. Donna. And she was just like, I have to push this horse. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. And then, I don't know. I don't know what to say about Claire. She can't do it. And then she starts over and she does it. I fast forwarded. I honestly did. Yeah. I mean, I will say, like, I've seen plenty of artists start a song start off either in the wrong key or just a little rough or whatever and then start again and it's great like Adele has done that many a time even in her Vegas show like my my dad when he went to see Adele in Vegas she did she restarted a song three times because like her head or her earpiece was messed up like so she couldn't hear the right key or whatever it was and she had to restart the song like three times and then in other cases Demi Lovato at one of the award shows, the Grammys probably, had to restart a song because it was far too emotional for her to sing the first time through, right? But you just, you, <laughs> you just don't restart a song because you're bad and then suddenly you're good. Like, that's not what happens. That was the, like, as soon as, you know, she, she's real flat and she stops singing, David stops playing, and then she looks at Steve and, like, right before she went on, he was like, well, as my mom always says, you don't have to be able to sing a song to sell it. Let it come from your heart. And then she's just like, let it come from your heart. And, like, a Disney princess voice comes out of her mouth. <laughs> like, no, no. Dude, I don't believe you. I have sang since you've been gone in my car without singing from the heart. And then I've also been in a bar singing since you've been gone with my whole heart. Let me tell you what's worse. <laughs> Singing with my entire heart. <laughs> There's some other factors there. I hate to break it to you. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, like, no, I occasionally get drunk and just sing show tunes in my house. It's just what I do. I have a truly, I'm going to put on the Wicked soundtrack. So you're a Winston is who you are. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. John came home the other day and I was just like sitting in the house, nothing going and listening to, gosh, I think I was listening to the Beetlejuice soundtrack and he was like, you're just listening to show tunes alone. It's like, yeah. And what? That's weird. (laughs) But like, I'm not good. It doesn't matter if I love Wicked. I'm not good. I will never just hit the high note because I believe I can. Dude. Yeah. Like, as many times I'm like, okay, this is is my range. I am quickly reminded nothing is my range. (laughs) My range is like four notes. Yeah, right? (laughs) How I speak, that's my range. Doesn't go any farther than that. I promise you. 
And and like, trust me, like I've played music my entire life. So you would think like tonally and pitch wise, I'm like, I understand what notes are. No, I can make them come out of a clarinet, cannot make them come out of my own body. <laughs> I have no rhythm. I have no excuse. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, she kills it. There may have been an ovation. I really don't know. I skipped the entire thing. I just, they couldn't make me care. I don't even know if they like clapped. All I saw was like the negative reaction for the first go round, and then she sings well. They do clap. I don't remember like the intensity of it. Again, still fast forwarding at like 1.5 speed, but she like gets David to stand up and like take a little bow. So there right. was something that happened there. Yep. But, like, all that to say, after the talent show, like, Steve tells Claire he's proud of her for singing, and we find out that this is not the first time that she wanted to perform this song. She actually wanted to do it at a talent show, and her mom never showed up, so she didn't do it, and then her mom died before she could do it again, and... Again, I just don't think that story hits the way they intended it to. Like, the idea that your mom bailed on your talent show that you were performing in kind of makes me unhappy. Yeah, that's why I was, like, so taken off guard by the fact that Claire then says, like, my mom then died two years later. I'm like, why why leave us with a sour taste in our mouths for your mom about just not being there? And then getting sick, and now you're extremely emotional about the fact that, you know, obviously she died when she was young. Why couldn't it be that her mom didn't show because she was in the hospital, because she got sick, because, you know, whatever. Like, something related to what caused her death, not something Mm -hmm. that was just, like, a random no-show, you know? Yeah, because I got to be honest, if you're not going to give me a valid excuse for her missing it, I am going to jump to, like – her manicure wasn't done in time, so she just didn't come. Like, I'm going to jump to something rotten because I feel like when your kid is nine and performing in a talent show, like, you're supposed to go to those. Yeah, at least one of the parents, right? Like, if it wasn't mom, was Arnold Arnold there? And, like, if this was supposed to be such a big thing that she wanted to sing for her mom at the talent show, even if it's a surprise, like, you got to get – like. She, as a kid, is going to be so excited to, like, have her mom come. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's exactly. just – I don't know. It just – it it felt weird to me. It was a weird way to have this story end. Yeah. Agreed. And, like, that's really where that story ends because they walk out with Kelly and Donna and then, like, you know, Kelly has to bail because she's got a whole other storyline going. And then Donna has to bail – because she sees Felice and Warren talking and just, like, has to attack. She's spiraling. She's been spiraling since she saw Warren. But now, especially, she's like, I got to do something. Because, like, they're literally walking, like, arm in arm, sort of. And so mm-hmm. Donna's like, look, what are they doing? And even David's like, uh, or was it even Donna? Yeah, it was Donna. She's like, no, no, no wait, 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 wait. She wouldn't just cheat out in the open like this. She would cheat behind closed doors like she did in Palm <laughs> Springs or whatever. Or it wasn't Palm Springs. It was in the Bellage, but still. And 
then she sees him put his arm around her. She's like, oh, hell no. (laughs) She's like, I got to confront. I got to go. I got to go. Yeah. She literally like throws the gloves on the ground, walks over and it's like, you are disgusting. Like, right. She she is ready to duel this man at dawn. She went in to like to the point that even David was like, that might have been a little harsh. She's literally like, daddy's at home in a wheelchair while you stroll down Lover's Lane. Ouch. I sw- <laughs> like, yeah, David is like, you just made your mother cry. Like, <laughs> I don't know what, to- I wouldn't even try and make your mother cry. Exactly. And she's just all like, oh, it's not what you think. Like, let me give you, let me like explain. And then of course, because like, we had to just have good Felice this episode, Turns out, like, Felice was all excited that Warren was coming to the talent show because he's chief medical officer at the hospital. And so she wanted to talk to him about getting Dr. Dad an opportunity to lecture at the at the um, at CU because, like we talked about, you know, Felice is obviously very worried that Dr. Dad will never get to operate ever again. And it seems as though that probably will, you know, will come to fruition. So. Mm-hmm. How can we make sure that Dr. Dad is still exercising his passions and still doing something that he loves adjacent to something that he can't do anymore? Yeah. And again, this is like so relatable to me. And, you know, Felice is coming up with all of the worst case scenarios and then immediately trying to make solutions for them and having them ready to present to Dr. Dad. Like she's like, oh, you'll never guess who I ran into. He's going to give you this great opportunity if you want it. Mm -hmm. Do you want it? Like, that's that's what's going on in her mind, I'm thinking, is that she wants to make sure that, like, she's already laid the options out, that, like, he doesn't yeah. have to stress himself out further trying to come mm-hmm. up with them. She's like, no, I already did it. Here you go. Oh, extremely. Like, she's a problem solver. Like, even yeah. though she's the worst, even in the moments when she did the check, you know, to, to, to pay off Ray, even when, gosh, when like she the invited- whole uh, – Cliff, yeah, that the invited Cliff on the date or whatever on the boat. Those were all ways that she thought she was solving a problem. And yep. in this moment, she actually is. Like she's thinking, she's trying to think three, four, five steps down the path um, because she's trying to identify what's best for that person, the person that she cares about. And so in and of itself, that would be a wonderful storyline because we're in a teen drama we had to layer in the fact that the person she had to seek this information from was the person she also cheated with five years ago. <laughs> and I love that they admit it. That she's like, yeah, this is him. You got us. It's fine. Yeah. And then that guy is just like, I really wish we had met under different circumstances. And I think right? I'm going to go. <laughs> God, like, but thank God it happened, though, because it gave Felice the moment to be like, you should listen to your boy. First of all, not even addressing David to his face, but just being like, my darling daughter, you should listen to your boyfriend. Whoever is that over there? I have no clue. <laughs> but your boyfriend, because he's more mature than I'm giving him credit for. Truly, my favorite moment was when Donna was like, you have all the Martins in your corner. And David was just like, I'm scared. <laughs> But then they have such a cute little moment when they're, like, kissing. And, and like, he, like, kind of goes to, like, nibble her. Yes. Like, what is going on with Donna and David? Why are they I, so cute? <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Like, I feel like this show has turned itself upside down on me. Like, 
truly, I want to go back and like maybe not listen to our first season because I don't know that I could, but like <laughs> look at my notes from the yeah. first season and just see how much like I hate Brandon. I hate David. I don't like anybody else. The stories are stupid, like blah, blah, blah. And now I'm just like, I would die for David Silver. Right? He's been through so much. And then he's being so cute. He's being so cute. Oh, God. We have jinxed ourselves. In the next, like, three episodes, he's going to do something very stupid. I feel so confident. Whether it's, like, just say something to make Donna mad. I don't know. I mean, what has to come around again is in their relationship has to be Donna's virginity, right? It has to. I felt like they were kind of hinting at it when they were doing the little Mountie scene. Cause like, you know, mm -hmm. she was bouncing around and he was like, you walk like a woman. She's like, I am a woman. And he kind of like gave her an up and down. And then afterwards when she climbs on top of him, I was like, okay, well, I, I think I, see where this is going to end and I don't think he's going to like it even though he will tolerate it because he loves you yeah I'm just going to like go ahead and knock on wood and I hope that the mic picks this up that we get that that eliminates our jinx and we have at least like five or six more episodes before we get something bad happening with David next episode like someone's going to find something in someone's drawer or like, yep. like she's gonna find some condoms, or like, or Nikki's an gonna randomly come back. <laughs> I I was gonna say Ariel. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, like it's fine. For now, they are adorable, and I'm having the same kind of crisis of conscious when we started liking Brandon for real, because mm-hmm. I'm just like, how did this happen? <laughs> And it's, like, been consistent. I think we had, like, yeah. a little bit of a slump, but we're like, okay, now he's he's good. We're yep. on board now. Yep. Agreed. Oh, man. Well, speaking of Brandon, should we get to the A plot of this episode? Let's do it. 50 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Brandon takes Tracy on a date to a romantic movie she really enjoys. He walks her home, gives her a passionate smooch, and finally breaks up with her because he was prob-picturing Kelly as soon as he closed his eyes. Val will not see a Brelli reunion without a fight, totally on Tracy's behalf and has nothing to do at all with her feelings for Kelly. Ship jokes aside, hatred is technically a feeling. Val asks a friend in New York to send Kelly a fake telegram from Dylan asking her to meet him at his layover in L.A. and also don't tell anyone. Val lets Brandon in on the ruse, tempting him to follow Kelly and catch her waiting in an airport for someone who isn't actually coming and basically dooming the relationship before it can re-begin. But one thing Val doesn't count on is the power of one effective conversation, but more so the ring around Kelly's neck. That's very true that I think Val just never considered they would talk about it. Right? Oh my gosh, I'm I'm trying not to just like laugh out loud about the idea that Val is just like, I can break them up. They'll never discuss their feelings. But like, to be honest, she's not that far off. <laughs> she's not. I mean, they've definitely been skirting around their feelings for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just one honest conversation. Maybe a little too honest, in my opinion. I don't think Kelly should have been like, I chose you. Look, I bought the ring. 
Well, it was a bold choice to like bring out the ring at this juncture, but at the same time, it was probably the only thing that would shatter Brandon's insecurities because yeah. it was specifically related to Dylan. If it had been no Dylan and nothing else, I don't think she would have had to pull it. But this was like her ace. You know, she like she's like, I know I, I, I got to play it. I got to play it. And it worked. I was shocked. As soon as I saw it, all I could think of was our conversation about like Dobbler or Dahmer of like, mm, at what point is this yep. cute? At what point is this terrifying? That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Also, let's talk about the Brandon and Tracy breakup that we have been begging for. Oh, man. It, this was painful. Like, literally, I had started the episode. Nate had gone upstairs. I don't who cares? It doesn't matter. <laughs> and I started the episode and I got through this one scene, just the one. And yeah, they get back from the movie date. Tracy is excited. She loved it. Brandon's extremely uninterested. Tracy clocks it, says like, you're tired. Why are you know, what's wrong? And you're putting in too many hours at the station. And I'm like, he is just not that into you. That is what the problem is. And but then they kiss and I'm like, okay, hold on, what's what's happening here? Why? And then he's like, hang on, um, I don't think we should see each other anymore because I'm not as into this relationship as what you deserve out of somebody who's in a relationship with you. And then <laughs> player just drops the line, I shouldn't be involved with someone I work with, bro. So anyway, the whole scene happens. You know, he's like, oh, we ruined a good friendship. I pause. I click pause. I'm like, nope, hold on. I need a minute. At this time, Nate comes downstairs and I was like, oh my God. He goes, what's wrong? And I said, Brandon just broke up with Tracy in the worst way that I could even <laughs> come up with. And he was like, who? <laughs> Not Susan. Right. I was like, Tracy. And he goes, no, who's Brandon? And I was like, <laughs> Nathan, look at the TV. <laughs> it's been 84 years, exactly. Nate. He goes, what do you do? And I was like, oh, that I could tell you. <laughs> Seriously, like, Brandon read a book on how not to break up with someone and did it all. Like, yes. it was like... Do you know the Mitch Hedberg joke where he tells everyone that they need to embrace contractions because he's like, do, yes, I get to disturb this guy, not, shit, I need to learn to read faster. <laughs> like, that's what I feel like just happened with Brandon where he was like, do break up with someone this way, done, and he missed the knot. Right? Because like, yeah, he took her to a movie that she really likes. She can never watch that movie again. Like, they went nope. on the date first. You should have broken up before the date. Mm -hmm. You should have broken up in a place that is not where she sleeps. Mm -hmm. Two inches from where she puts her head. Mm -hmm. You should not have kissed her that way and made her think that y'all were good. The second she said our relationship is back on track, he should have been like, I'm going to step out in the hallway and maybe you should join me. Right? Or at the very least left because this is like, not the right environment or the right time because clearly we're not on the same page and like yeah then he 
is pretty truthful. If he said, we shouldn't see each other anymore, I'm not as into you as you deserve someone to be, and left it there, fine. The fact that he threw in, I shouldn't be involved with someone I work with, which is a lie, like you would have said that four months ago. And I think he did because of the whole Susan situation. But then he changed his mind and he's been Mm -hmm. with Tracy officially since like, what, November, December? At minimum. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. Like officially, I remember they slept together. Yeah, it was like Super Bowl weekend. So it would have been Mm -hmm. like January. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, they haven't been dating that long. But considering everything you went through, like you could at least have the decency to not lie to her in this way. Like – Yeah, or, like, use, like, empty cliches. Yeah. I'm fine with him saying he's not good – like, he's not as invested in this relationship as she deserves. Totally fine with that. I'm fine with him not telling her that he cheated on her with Kelly. I think she deserves to know, but at the same time, like, he is already screwing up this breakup so badly, and, like, she's already so hurt. Maybe we just, like – leave this one be if she's not going to go on a revenge tour yeah with this news I don't want it I don't want to see her sad like yeah well and like to your point about like not telling her about the the cheating I I mostly agree like I agree because I don't want her to be hurt further and I don't think him telling her is productive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it doesn't contribute to anything because she already has hang-ups about Kelly and Mariah and, you know, X, Y, Z. So, long before the kiss, we all knew, Tracy knew, in the back of her mind at least, that she was always way more into him than he was her. So, I think if you Mm -hmm. leave it at I'm not as into this relationship as you deserve. Perfect. Done. Bye. Yeah. Talk to you later. Yeah. But it didn't happen. Well, and okay, so here's the thing that makes me like, I guess we can talk about it more later, but the thing that makes me really not on board with the Kelly Brandon is the cheating. It never stops. We've talked about this before, but the fact that like, he cheated on Tracy by kissing Kelly and then broke up with her. And then she was like, okay, yeah, now we can date, but let's keep it secret. Like mm-hmm. it, it makes me uncomfortable that y'all feel like you need to like hide. And you did start the relationship with this like weird kiss that she wasn't really on board with, but he did it. And like, you got to remember that every time. Like, right. I don't It's hard, but Tracy does not handle this well rightfully so Mm -hmm. like he tries to say something about still being friends and she's like I could never be friends with somebody who treated me like this and you should get out of my room which and I will say like yeah like I think that's totally valid and there are so many people out there that literally cannot and will not be friends with exes not Mm -hmm. because they necessarily had a bad breakup or bad blood or anything traumatic happened it's just that kind of what's the point and they're especially in long-term relationships it's like 
especially if the circumstances were that you broke up because one person lost feelings and the other still has them, right? Like Mm -hmm. that can be bad. If it's a situation where you're like, you know what? We're both better off as friends and we both realize that I could see a situation where you could still be friends. But yeah, like it's, I think for me, because of of my personality, I would still want to remain friends. But like Nate's personality, he's like, nope, I, I literally like if you and I ever broke up, we would not talk. Yeah, that's, I that's mean, just how it is. Yeah, I I have not had an ex in over a decade, right? So yeah, like, same. maybe adult me would be different, but early twenties high school me, no. Yeah, wouldn't happen. It helped that my high school boyfriend and I went to different schools. So like, if we had broken up in high school, it would have been real easy to not be his friend. Yeah, like every ex that I have we did not remain friends like one did but that (laughs) friendship crashed and burned anyway so it didn't take us breaking up to do it It just took a hetero platonic friendship to just just completely combust anywho that's for therapy not now and (laughs) but yeah all that to say like tracy is extremely valid in a being upset and because she I believe she was let on a bit and then B just not wanting to remain friends with somebody who has the capacity to treat her as anything less than, you know, with common decency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which makes the rest of this episode with Brandon mm-hmm. so weird. Mm-hmm. Cause like Val finds Tracy on campus the next day and, Tracy looks horrible. I mean, she's miserable. She looks like she hasn't slept all night. She's in a bad mood. And apparently, Brandon did not come home and tell his roommates what he did. Right, right. And so she's like, oh, you didn't hear that Brandon broke up with me? At which point, Val is just like, I will not stand for this. At first, I was like, oh, my God. Val is about to be the best friend F oh no it's just because she hates Kelly (laughs) yeah right I was so ready for the Val and Tracy friendship it is something Mm -hmm. we have talked about how even if Brandon and Tracy break up Val and Tracy could be a good friendship to just keep around like even if you just have Val mention it and then Tracy like the actress is not still on the show like you can still let Val have a friend yeah but sure But no, Val is like, I'm going to talk to Brandon. I will not stand for this. Kelly is a terrible person. I'll take care of it. And then I was just like, no, Val's going to set fire to something. Oh, my God. She, her wheels and her brain are just turning, turning, turning. She's like, I must Malone this. I must Malone every single person that I know to make up for this. I wrote it in my notes. I was like, she's going to Malone the shit out of this. (laughs) And then, like, so we find out that Kelly had to leave rehearsal because Brandon wanted to talk to her. And he wanted to talk to her in the privacy of outside a building. (laughs) Of the entire CU campus. At the quad. (laughs) Like, she's like, what could you not talk to me about in the theater? And he's like, looking around. It's like, Tracy and I broke up. (laughs) Bro, go in a building. Right? God, and and it was at this point when I was watching that I had completely forgotten about the kiss until this moment. I was like, oh, my God, they cheated. (laughs) And, like, yeah, this is where 
like I appreciate that Kelly is trying to cover her bases. She's like, was this a mutual breakup? Who did the breaking yeah. up? How mm-hmm. is Tracy handling this? Why did you do it? Yeah, I like, do too. Because like for all intents and purposes, she has, Kelly, has not handled a cheating or infidelity scenario well in the past because she's either been involved or, you know, just been on the bad end of it, right? Yeah. So. It's just, it's not been healthy. And I think it was at the beginning of this season that she and Brandon were like, oh, we're like in the same book, but not in the same chapter. So she was mm-hmm. probably like, are you in chapter two or chapter eight? Because I'm in chapter eight. Right. Exactly. And like, they agree that they need to spend some time together without anybody else around. They want to go on a date. But like Kelly's like, I don't want to like flaunt this in front of Tracy because like I don't want to hurt her feelings, which is a great thing for Kelly to feel. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they schedule a date for tomorrow, which there's some that that was another thing I wanted to talk to you guys about later on in the episode. This messes with me because she says, we'll schedule a date for tomorrow because he can't tonight. Because I thought he said the talent show. No, he has a staff meeting tonight because Kelly immediately That's goes what it was. with Tracy. OK, yeah. so never mind. Never mind. I'm, I'm good yeah. then. Yeah, no, she immediately is like, oh, you have a staff meeting with Tracy. And then is like, oh, that was not fair. And I was like, mm-hmm. Brandon, you are screwed. Yeah. Like, she can try not to be jealous, but, like, Kelly does have a lot of jealousy in her when you think about Val and everything. Like, even if she's matured a ton since Colin, like, there is still jealousy in there. It you just can't avoid it. And the fact that Brandon is going to work with his ex for another few months, yeah. like, this is... Well, that... Yeah, like, that and the fact that they just broke up 12 hours ago. Yeah. So, of course, like, Kelly can have some insecurities around mm-hmm. not just that he's going to work with her for the foreseeable future, but also that, yeah, like, they literally made out yesterday. Yeah. I, I like insecurity better than jealousy. I think that's a better word. I just think it's a, it's jealousy has, has manifested. It is a man, manifested it has, insecurity. Yeah. Well, and jealousy has, like, undertones. Yes. Where, like, exactly. Insecurity has undertones, but not the – like, they're more neutral, I think. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But then, because they met outside and they didn't go inside a building – Val walks up and that look on her face when she sees them so close to each other because Brandon is trying to like mutter and make date plans before she gets to them. He's like, how seven o'clock? I'll meet you Yashimoto's or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. she is just like Val is legit about to commit a murder. It's just so funny that like, yeah, Tracy's hurt, but she doesn't want to do anything bad to anybody. But instead, she has Val, who's somehow the woman scorned, and she can be the devil on her shoulder. She's almost like Tracy's hitman that she has not asked to go have a hit on anybody. <laughs> Tracy, or not Tracy, Val is Michael Jordan. And he's like, and I took that personally, where he would just like yes. find things or if people had slighted him. And they're like, I've literally never looked at that man before in my life. And Michael Jordan is like, he looked at me. And so mm-hmm. I had to score 135 points on him. Exactly. 
Val comes in real hot in this moment too because she is immediately like, oh, you want to know how Tracy is? She looks like a hit and run victim. When she said that, I was like, Jesus, Val. (laughs) A little harsh for your friend. And like she doubles down. Like Brandon Mm -hmm. is like, I gave Tracy the opportunity to find what she deserves. And Val's like, you're the best thing in the world. You're what she deserves. It's so funny. Like, like she's fighting for such the wrong thing in this moment. You know, it's like we already knew beforehand when she immediately jumped to the conclusion that Kelly was the reason that they broke up in the first place. But then when she's like talking to Brandon and trying to fight technically for Brandon and Tracy to get back together, but not because they're perfect for each other, but because that means Kelly gets nothing. I was like, Val, you're fighting for the wrong thing here. You can't just say you're the best thing Tracy's ever had and Kelly's going to burn him. You can't just say that. You have to say like, no, you guys are great together and Tracy really loves you and you really love her. You're just a little confused. You don't bring up Kelly. (laughs) And this is the problem that I feel like we always have with Val is she – gets frustrated when things don't immediately go her way and then just makes the wrong argument. Like, yeah. Girl, that was not it. Well, and like for all for all arguments Val's ever gotten into, like think about the whole Rob situation. Had nothing yeah. to do with Kelly. So she immediately was like, scheme, scheme, scheme. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I'm going to get what I want at all times. Even things I don't know that I want, once I know it, I'm going to then get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Anytime Kelly is mentioned or has any sort of role in any sort of situation, she's completely clouded. And Brandon pretty much calls her out on that. She's he's like, she even says like she's she cares about Brandon, not her vendetta against Kelly. But Brandon's like, um, no, this is all about Kelly, and you know it. Like, don't try to play this like if you know pseudo sibling card. This is about Mm -hmm. Kelly, and you know it. Which is funny, because, like, he knows that. She Mm -hmm. knows that. He makes it through, like, going to the staff meeting that Tracy may or may not have gone to. We don't see it. And the next morning, which is the day of his date with Kelly, he is, like, his Brandon self, where he's pulling out every type of jelly they have in the house so that Steve can make toast. Mm Mm-hmm. And... It's all fun and games until Steve asks Brandon, he's like, uh, do you have any second thoughts about Tracy? To which Brandon replies, sure. <laughs> he this literally says, says like, sure, but I'm not going to worry about it or something like that. It, it was like, I wrote sure, but I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. But like literally everyone. Everyone is now officially on Tracy's side somehow without realizing that there is a side to pick. Like, yeah, if they had mentioned to anyone that he wanted to get back with Kelly, I think there would have been a moment where the friend group would be like, that's kind of fast. But Mm -hmm. Kelly's in the group and Tracy is not. So they would have picked Kelly since. Yeah. They don't know that every single one of them is just like, well, why'd you break up with Tracy? Exactly. And, you know, Steve has to leave because he's got to go stuff his D cup. And 
Val shows up. And Val's got a Val. Because it turns out Kelly got a telegram. And I have to admit, (laughs) when we first actually saw Kelly get the telegram and read out what the note said, I freaked out. I was like, did I just not look at the guest stars? (laughs) Oh, no. I knew. I was like, no way in hell. No. I don't even care that Brenda has mono. Dylan is in London. And that's fine. That's totally fine. But I just got so excited for half a second that Luke Perry was about to be on my screen. I, If I had any faith in it, I would have died. I would have had to pause the episode and walk away and just like think about it for a minute. But I had no faith. And it was also really weird that the guy who delivered the telegram made her re-sign for it. Like what was the point of that? Yeah. Like, he, she signs for it, and then he's like, oh, wrong spot, and then she signs it again, and then he's like, okay, thanks. It was like, this extra was fighting for, he wasn't he wasn't an extra, he was just a day player, but he was, like, f- clearly fighting for more screen time slash lines time. I don't yeah. know. It was weird. I just didn't get it. I thought it was going to come back that, like, she signed something she shouldn't have, or, like, Val right. was, like, playing up, like, different prank on her. Because Mm -hmm. it does turn out that (laughs) I love her. She's like, hey, do you want to go to the talent show with me? And Brandon's like, "Uh, you know I'm going with Kelly. And she's like, really? Because I think Kelly's going to LAX. Right? And at first, I was like, oh, my God, how the hell does Val know about LAX? And then I was like, ha, 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 wait, this is Val. And then, yeah, it's revealed that she, and she so much as reveals to Brandon, oh, yeah, I have a friend in New York and got them to send a fake telegram from New York to Kelly. And Brandon's response is everything. He says, and you wonder why people think you're manipulative. (laughs) Okay, I have so many opinions on this moment, because first of all, what if her friend in New York is Ginger? I thought about that. Because, yeah, I think, Mary, you made the comment a couple weeks ago when she got the $10,000 check that it's just Ginger messing with her and sending people to give her money. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> it's Ginger. We're going to get Ginger coming back and being like, I sent that telegram for you. Mm-hmm. Pay up. But then, you know, she makes this LAX comment and is like, oh, yeah, well, you know, like, Dylan isn't just a friend for Kelly and Brandon's like, it's okay. She can go pick up an old friend at the airport. I was like, Val, you were even around when he went to pick up Emily Valentine at the airport and it caused problems between him and Kelly. Like, he is going to act like this doesn't bother him. I wrote about this later because it's it's a hypocritical act of Brandon, which is understandable because this is a longstanding TV show. Writers mm-hmm. don't transfer over all the time, but we will get there and I will have words. Yeah, because he's like, no, I don't spy on my friends. And then he's like, well, maybe I, I mean, the paper's right there. I'm just going to grab it and I'm not going to open I'm going to open it a little bit. OK, I know what flight it is. I'm going to go. Also, love that they can both just go straight to the gate like this. This would not happen anymore. God, no. Like, people – like, this is what baffles me. And, like, I understand that this didn't happen until, what, 2011? 
I'm sorry, 2001? 2001. Yeah. Yeah. 1990 was two, 10 years ago. <laughs> no, but like, and I recognize that, you know, we were what, 11 years old when the rule changed. But to be quite honest, I was not flying anywhere when I was 11 years old or younger. I just didn't, my parents didn't have a travel bug. We didn't have enough money to travel. It just, it was a thing. And if we had family in Virginia, we drove, you know, it was stuff like that. But despite still being 11 and not three or not born, it still is just baffling to me that you could, anybody off the street, anybody could just be like, I'm going to go to the airport today. And then you literally walk up to any gate you want to and can either see someone, not see someone, people watch, go see who's coming off planes, who's going on planes. Like my 2023 brain is broken. (laughs) Honestly, even at LAX, you know, Kelly's waiting like right off the gate for them. Mm-hmm. And then the flight attendants and the pilots and everyone come off and she walks up to them like at the door. I was like, you're going to get tackled. Right? I was like, you are too close. Where's the agent? Like she was two seconds from walking down the tunnel to get back on the plane to double check to see that anybody is left on the plane. Right? I was like, you can't do this. What is no. happening? Oh my God. Yeah. And. You know, there was a moment where she looked pretty happy when she thought she saw him and she goes to leave and Brandon is at like the phone bank just lurking and watching her. Mm -hmm. And there is a moment like kind of simultaneous to this where Val goes to see Tracy and Tracy's like, you know, not even 24 hours removed from this breakup, I don't think. Maybe a little over. But she's even starting to think like, this is ridiculous. We should maybe not be doing this. And Val is just like, no, 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 no. I think I'm making headway. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, bro, you are not helpful. Like you were so good at lying and so good at being manipulative. Like you were not helpful in the slightest bit. No, she's giving her false hope and it's li- it's the falsest it could be. Like mm-hmm. you've done nothing. Yep. Well, okay. Maybe not nothing. Because Brandon goes to the peach pit to tell Nat everything and, like, literally everything. He throws in the Dylan and Kelly are soulmates thing that Dylan had when he looked into his, like, past lives. But Nat also does the thing where he's like, would you have broken up with Tracy if Kelly wasn't in the picture? And Nat Mm -hmm. and Brandon's like, I don't want to answer that. Yeah. Literally everyone is like, why did you break up with her this way? And and do you have second thoughts? And he's like, sure. It's all of that. Plus, like, I understand it's the Dylan of it all and not just a random ex-boyfriend or even just random friend. But it was Mm -hmm. in this scene when he was telling that about the situation and, like, what was happening. I was like, Brandon, you literally met up with Emily Valentine, an ex-girlfriend, got dressed up to pick up and drive Emily Valentine to her hotel and kissed her slash maybe more than that. How in the world do you have any leg to stand on in this scenario? Because for all intents and purposes, Emily Valentine is Brandon's Dylan. Think about it. I mean... How many other people would he just, like, mindlessly drive to? Just be like, oops, made it to San Francisco. 
Exactly. He's literally met up with her in several occasions. Any other girlfriend? Any other even just mild friend? The only other one is Mariah. And that was clear as mud. <laughs> Friends. At least unless if you ask Tracy. Yeah. I mean, that was just like she just happened to be there and she meddled. Mm-hmm. She meddled a lot. She did. But my point is, is like, I didn't, the scene did not land for me because I'm like, all right, Brandon, just take out your tiny little violin and let's play a sad, sad song because like, I'm not here for this. Like, you cannot get mad at Kelly for doing any of this. Number one, she's not your girlfriend. Number two, you don't, you don't have a right to tell her who she can and can't pick up from a freaking airport. And number three, you have done this exact thing plus more. So stop it. Yeah. But no, he gets all grumpy about it and goes to the TV station to work and then gets to the point where they're supposed to be meeting for their date and he calls Kelly's number. I don't know if it's supposed to be her landline, her cell phone, whatever. I hated her outgoing message, by the way. I hated that she's like, (laughs) I'm enjoying the spring day. Why aren't you? Like, that was kind of bitchy. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. But (laughs) he's just like... I'm busy, can't date, goodbye. Yep. Like, I didn't write it word for word, but I would say it was less than 10. Yeah, it was literally like, uh, yeah, I can't even recreate it. I thought I wrote it down, but I did not. Um, But he's so, so sad. And I wish I had a better word to describe him because I think, I actually think both scenes where he was just really, really in his mind and like, it, it was both the opening scene with him and Tracing and this scene that I was like, man, is Jason Priestley also really good at like being sad? And like, why have we not seen sad Brandon in this way more often? Not that I want him to be sad, but I'm like, these are some mm. good acting moments. Yeah, it feels like he has more fun being fun Brandon. So that's what they mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he seems like, you know, it's not just like moody dad Brandon. This is like... Yeah. Brandon at his age, Brandon. Yeah. It's like I actually have feelings and I'm going to feel them, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. But then it gets weird again. I mean, it's been weird. It never stopped being weird. But now it's different weird because it turns out Tracy is also working because she thought Brandon would be at the talent show. And essentially because the two of them are there together, like – and Val has given her this false hope, she kind of makes moves on him. Like, she's yeah, massaging his shoulders. She sits with it. Like, she goes for it. And she wants a second chance. And he says no. I think what misses for me is that, like, even though Brandon is saying no, he can't do it, like, all this kind of stuff, which is admirable for not just giving in, right? I think what misses for me is that his reason is that he like Tracy wants a second chance and thinks that all they have to do is take it one day and one night at a time. Mm -hmm. And all Brandon says is he can't do that because he can't go back. And that's fine. If (sighs) that's fine. I think Tracy just deserves more than that. I think I'm stuck on, Yes, Brandon's been partially honest, but then also uses it's not me, it's not you type of situations to get out of Mm -hmm. actually, like, 
telling her the real reason. And so uh, I just wish that he was a little bit more vulnerable here because we've seen him be vulnerable. And I think Tracy deserves that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think if he's not going to do that, then I think I am okay with how Tracy reacts here. Like, it's not mature, but she's hurt. And yeah, he's withholding from her because he's trying not to hurt her, but it leads to omission. You've already hurt her. Like, you're just not handling the situation the way I guess I would expect Brandon to. I am doing the thing the show does of holding Brandon to a standard that is higher than he's (laughs) behaving. Sure. But like – you know, she accuses him of sleeping with her for the convenience. And then she's like, oh, is Kelly the reason that you're so miserable? And he's like, yeah. And she goes, good. I'm glad. And, like, and that was the most honest thing he had said. The fact that he said, yes. I was like, okay, yeah. now we're getting somewhere. You know? Yeah. Like, it sucks that we had to resort to being mean to each other. I mean, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Calling him a bastard was a step I don't think even Tracy meant to take. Yeah, but agreed. Yeah, he was finally honest after she did it. And yeah, if he feels like crud for breaking up with her and then being weird about it with literally everyone, including her, mm-hmm. okay, I'm fine with it. And like, we know Brandon's been having a bad time for several reasons, like the breakup, the Kelly situation, now apparently the Dylan thing, Val's whole manipulative spell and so he's Mm -hmm. we're at the walsh house for this final scene well final two scenes really and he's like staring at the ceiling and i like a moment of levity here i thought for sure based on the way the angle was i was like are we about to see the open ceiling again (laughs) i looked for it i really looked for it but then i got distracted because he's wearing his shoes in bed and that drives me nuts yep and like the walls were like gray smudgy Yeah, I was like, why would you do this to your parents' room? Like, I know it's not their room anymore. It's your room. But, like, this is kind of hideous. He also Mm -hmm. still has his old bedroom set, which, you know, when you move a bedroom set from, like, a regular-sized bedroom to a master bedroom-sized bedroom, it doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, he must have so much room for activities. (laughs) Yeah. God. And, yeah, and so he's, like, lying on the bed staring at the ceiling and Val comes in and like essentially confirms like Kelly went to LAX um, because she was late to the talent show or whatever. And I kind of love Brandon's assessment here. He's like, you know, you're a smart woman, Val. Your Your low expectations of human behavior have all been confirmed, both mine and Kelly's, because not only did she forecast that Kelly would go see if Dylan was there and pick him up and whatnot and catch up, but she also predicted that Brandon would not be able to stop himself from spying on her. And of course she was right, right? Like, because she plants the seeds. It's not that she's right mm-hmm. because necessarily all humans are this way. It's because she she is the puppet master in a room full of puppets, you know? Yeah. Exactly. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. She put it out there. It would never have happened otherwise. Mm-hmm. But then the doorbell rings. And okay, so it's Kelly. She wants to know why he stood her up. 
we are to assume that Kelly has been sitting in that restaurant this whole time and then just like yeah. stewing on the way over. Mm-hmm. Like I, his, I didn't stand you up. I left a message. This is the problem with the nineties. <laughs> Call the restaurant. Do yeah. something like he. Honestly, this is just such a bad look for him that he's like, no, I left you a message. She's like, well, I didn't get the message. Mm-hmm. Like, this is why I'm thinking he called her landline and not her cell phone and was just like, someone will tell her. It, like, was, it was like an avoidant tactic, right? Yeah, it was It was bratty and it was avoidant. It was immature. Mm-hmm. And it just – it keeps getting worse and worse. Like – she – he mentions Dylan and she's like, what, were you following me? Were you spying on me? And he was like, well, I think you're still in love with Dylan because you went all dressed up. And she's like, bro, I dressed up for you. I have a busy life. I didn't have time to go home and change. Which is also why I think he called her landline because he expected her to go home and change. And that's why she's like, bro, I've been out. I've been busy. Mm-hmm. I went to the talent show. Mm-hmm. Where were you at the talent show? Yeah, it's like I think what I liked about this scene is we've seen so many people react in such a like, you know, elevated state, right? Whether it's overly mad, overly excited, overly happy, overly sad, whatever the case may be. And this scene to me, outside of, you know, when Kelly was like, I waited there for over an hour, um, once Brandon started airing out his I don't know, his his grievances, Kelly kind of stayed calm. She was just so matter of fact, like, no, didn't dress up for him. I dressed up for you because I had to go. I did not have time to go home and change. Um, she also was very much like the reason I even went to go meet with him is because he's a friend and he asked me to. That's it. That's literally it, you know, and the- <laughs> then of course we get the big reveal. But I think for me, just I, I appreciate the honesty, the matter of factness and the calmness because that keeps both of them from saying something that they don't mean and starting this relationship off in such a bad way, you know, and based on something else. Obviously they have a lot of stuff to work through, but I, I think it matters the manner in which they talk to each other in this scene. Yeah, I mean... Like you said, they need to start this off right, and so far it has not been going right. I mean, the kiss was before the relationship, but, like, it's not going that great. And it does seem like Kelly is trying to make this happen because, yeah, she's like, I went to see Dylan because he's a friend, and I wanted to let him know that I'd finally chosen, which is like, okay, she's not I choose me. Now she's I choose Brandon, which – honestly also just makes me think of when we had the voiceover episode when she was writing in her journal where she was just like well I can't choose Dylan anymore because he's got a girlfriend <laughs> yeah. like, Brandon doesn't know that but I know that because I was in Kelly's diary that's right and yeah she pulls out the ring and he's just like why do you have that to which yeah like, she gets to use this as proof. She's like, I don't know if you would have bullet- – she doesn't say this, but I think in her head she's like, I need to prove that, like, what I'm saying is right. We don't need to be fighting about this. I have physical evidence that I'm right. Mm-hmm. 
something that was actually kind of cute, and I don't know if it's just that I, I, I sometimes can be a hopeless romantic, but the fact that they kept calling it our ring meant something yeah. to me. Like, <laughs> well, and I love that she was like, it's ours, whatever happens. Like, she didn't want anybody else to have it because it's the ring that he gave her. Like, yeah. The second that happened, it got sentimental value to it. It's not just a ring in a store anymore. Like, yeah. I get it. Like, it's kind of the whole thing, like, when parents have a child or a dog, in my case, and when they're in trouble, they're your dog or they're your kid. But, you know, most of the time, because you love them so dang much, they're our kid or our dog. And, like, like New- like Nate says all the time about Noodle, like, I'm going to go pick up our daughter from daycare. And I'm just like, she is our daughter. <laughs> <laughs> And so, like, just, I don't know, just, like, tying that not just value of the object, but where that object stands in your relationship with each other, it just, it, yeah, it just, it kind of hit me in the feels. I'm like, okay, let's go, Brelly. <laughs> well, and, yeah, it works. That's exactly what they wanted you to say because then Brandon goes, I love you, and kisses her. Yeah, and you could tell that was, like, such a swoony moment for Brandon. He was just like, oh, my God, you're saying the right things. I love you. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> He couldn't control himself in the moment. I do love the idea that Brandon is just also a hopeless romantic. I think he is. I think he's a realist hopeless romantic, but I think he's like, mm-hmm. he still carries a lot of romanticism in his life that just hasn't been realized yet. For, you know, all I don't like of him saying you know, I don't feel confident about this breakup with Tracy. Like, I'm not sure I would have broken up with her if Kelly wasn't around. Like, there is also a good part of that that's probably him not wanting to admit how, like, desperate he is to yeah. be with Kelly again. Well, because he's been the one that's been farther advanced in the book, if we're using that analogy, than Kelly has mm-hmm. been. So it makes sense. Yeah. But they're kissing. They're back together. Nobody's at the house, so nobody's seeing it. But I don't think you can keep this a secret for too long. No. Not when you live in a house with Steve. No. Or Val. Definitely not Val. I mean, Val is known, and the fact that she has kept it quiet for 36 hours must be a record for her, truly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to comment on, or should we go to quotes of the week? Let's go to quotes of the week. Okay. Oh, I I actually do want to comment. Tracy had a very cute cat poster in her room in that very <laughs> first scene. Which of course it it's like right in front of where her bed is. So she wakes up every morning and just sees a basket of kittens. Who wouldn't want that? <laughs> she probably got it from like the book fair. <laughs> oh, absolutely. She has had that from her sixth grade book fair for that whole time. Mm-hmm. But okay. I got a couple. We got uh, Brandon and Steve. What size Brada stuff? No, I've always been a D. Just the confidence. I loved it so much. And the quickness, right? And the quickness. I also kind of loved when Donna was like, you know what they say, Mounties, they always get their man. That was a good one. And I think that's all I've got. Everything else I quoted was just Brandon refusing to answer why he broke up with Tracy. 
Yeah, I wrote like no quotes down except for Brandon saying, that's our ring. How did you get it? Because that got me too. Yeah. Just something about the word our. Mm-hmm. It was cute. Yeah. It was. Well, I almost ship it. it. Yeah. Like, yeah, because he oh, could have said, like, that's you. that's the ring or that's a, my ring or your mm-hmm. ring. But no, he said our. And then she backed it up and said it, too. She's like, it's our ring. Like, I had to keep it. And yeah, it was a Dobbler versus Dahmer moment, but it became Dobbler because of the situation. And. Oh, it was. Yeah, it. it OK, that's my quote of the week. It's it's anything with calling it our ring. It has to be because I was scrolling through again and I'm like, yeah, all the other ones are about manipulation. So it has to be this one. Yeah, yeah like I, literally the only other quote I wrote was um, Tracy being like, you're a real bastard, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, why did I write that down? I don't even like that quote. Right. <laughs> yeah. The only other one I wrote down was I didn't stand you up. I left you a message. Okay. Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. But Mary, moment of the week. Is it also the ring? It's not. Um, y'all actually brought this up um while you were talking. Um it was David's little bite when he was kissing Donna when he just like chomped at her face. It was really fucking cute. Right? It was so good. And she loved it. She, They both loved it. And I was like, in this moment, you see Tori Spelling and Brian Austin Green. Like, it's kind of like when you see characters break on a sitcom or something and you're like, okay, that's their personality, not the character. That was that mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. It yeah. just, it also reminded me of a tweet that I'm going to have to find and send you guys. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, that was just, like, a perfect moment of actor chemistry that, like, Mm -hmm. you can't just – you can't fake it. Two actors have to have chemistry for you to buy a relationship. Exactly. Yep. Man, so weird. What is happening to us? (laughs) I know. Gosh, okay. Well, at the risk of, like, having to knock on all of the door frames in my house, what is next week's episode? Yeah, so guys, we are inching ever so closely to the end of season seven, if you can believe it. I think we have about five or six episodes left, depending on how the part one and two finales like shake out. Um, yeah. So we are getting real close. Um, and not only are we getting ever so closely to the end of this season, we are actually getting super close. And by super close, I mean next week is our 200th episode. Guys, can you believe it? I wish I had a soundboard to do the like, bow, 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 bow. <laughs> or like fireworks or something. No, we just have our voices, which you guys have been used to for 199 episodes. So get pumped. We're excited. We can't believe we've been doing this for like 85 years now, but we're going to finish it. If, if if anything, if nothing else, we are completists in this group. <laughs> We're going to lose all of our listeners and we'll be like, it's the 274th episode of 90210. <laughs> Just like inching along. Yeah, it's fine. But guys, we're excited about it. Um, And so with that said, our 200th episode of our Back to Podcast uh, venture into Beverly Hills 90210 is season seven, episode 27. I only have eyes for you. I mean, 
seriously, if it's not the Buffy episode where they're being haunted by people that used to go to their school and they shoot each other, I don't want it. All I can say is that I did not read the synopsis ahead of time, but I did see one sentence in the synopsis, and it uses the word magic, so I think it will be like the Buffy episode. (laughs) Okay. Actually, thought about it again. What I actually would love is, you know, I only have eyes for you. All the couples are paired up. You got Claire and Steve. You got Donna and David. You got Brandon and Kelly, and then you just have Val, and she's just pissed and Val just malones the entire gang. Ugh. What we need is like a Beverly Hills meets Clue or something where she can be the orchestrator of the game. You know? Please. <laughs> like seriously though, we we need like a board game night and they're having it at Casa Walsh and she's just not invited so she's just like, well, fine. Couples right? only. Exactly. Like, give me the dinner party episode of The Office, but with them. Oh my God. Can please. she please be what's his face? Um Hunter. <laughs> I feel like she has She's to be Dwight Hunter showing TV. up with other guys. That one night. <laughs> Val is just sitting there in the corner being <laughs> Hunter's album. (laughs) Isn't it called like The Hunted or something? (laughs) I think so. (laughs) I would die. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, we will find out next week. And until then, you can follow us on Instagram at Back2Podcast. Or you can also shoot us over an email if you'd like at Back2Podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All of that stuff really helps us get seen and build a community, and that way we can give y'all a better product. And if you leave us a review in Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout-out on the show because we really appreciate you. So until next week, from all of us at back to podcast I got grape jelly. I got red jelly. I got boysenberry jelly. I got all the jelly you've ever heard of. I'm going to be in the front row for Dr. Dad's first lecture at CU. And I'm going to sing from my heart. Bye. Bye. See ya. <laughs>